What's going on, all my podcasters? See Jizzle and the Wizzle bringing you another episode. And the last episode, I was talking about racism and, you know, the Capitol riot and shit like that. But, you know, to be honest, let's just be honest for a minute. And I'm glad that I have black friends and black family and Chinese friends and, you know, Mexican friends. and Because the thing is, if this place was just all white people, or if it was all black people, or whatever, it would be really boring. It would be really boring to see the same thing every day. To see the same white people, they look the same, they act the same, have the same habits. But if there was no such thing as black culture, and there was, you know, it would be boring. In my opinion. Same thing, like, if there was no Mexican culture, if there was no Hispanic culture. Not just with music and dancing, but with food. Come on, man. How could we be in America right now with no tacos and shit? And again, I'm not being racist. I'm being realistic. I feel like... I feel like I'm a mixture of everything. Deep down inside, in my soul, when Cinco de Mayo comes around, I'm like... I feel like I'm a Mexican. I'm like, yeah, let's celebrate. Let's, you know, do some shots. Celebrate all night long. When Black History Month comes along... Um, I don't get as excited, but there are certain, um, actors and certain directors and shit that I do like to watch, and I do like the culture, the music, the food, soul food is one of my favorite things to eat. Soul food is one of my favorite kinds of food. There's a lot of people that cook chicken a lot of different ways. But if you grew up in a black household, or because my stepmom was black, I have black nieces, nephews, cousins, I have black friends, so I know how to make some bomb-ass fried chicken, and it's all about the breading. And I'm going to cut you in on a little bit of secret here. I I use Andy's breading. Now, they've got Andy's breading for fish and they've got Andy's breading for chicken. And I can remember using the breading for fish on chicken. And I'm pretty sure that's where it's at. But um, if you... Because <laughs> I hear a lot about this shit nowadays... People throw a fit about it, just like pineapple going on pizza. But if you've never had spaghetti and fish, then you're not really hood. If you have, if you don't drink Palmasan and Pepsi, you're not really hood. The only thing that I'm not going to do that black people do, that they love the shit out of them, 
<laughs> no pun intended, but chitlins. I'm never going to eat chitlins, ever. Never. My dad, like I said, he's married to a black woman. We went over to their family's house. He was eating chitlins. Oh my god, that's nasty. I mean, eating the shit shoot, the fucking intestines of a pig is disgusting. But when you find a blade of grass when you chew into it, that's even more disgusting because you know they're not cleaned out right. All the bacteria that's in there. I don't care how long you cook it. It's just the smell I can remember like it was yesterday. The most terrible smell. But you know, they made coon dressing, raccoon dressing, or turkey dressing. And they always had spaghetti on Thanksgiving. That's a black thing. For all you out there that are just too white to understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's a black thing we had spaghetti at Thanksgiving every year and we had deviled eggs and stuff like that but the way black people make potato salad is completely different than how white people make it and I know there's some black people out there like hell yeah you know <laughs> And it's crazy. I don't know what the, what they use or what's so different, but I know what my mom uses in her potato salad, and she usually uses Hellman's. Um, but I don't know, man. I don't know what makes it so different, and it's so good. It's so good. They're so, you know. Now, when it comes to macaroni and cheese. There's going to be black people up and down, all around the block, that are going to swear they have the best macaroni and cheese. That's a lie. It's always going to be dry. It's never going to have enough cheese. <laughs> it's always up to the white person to make the best, the best macaroni and cheese. I don't know. It's just from experience. That's because a lot of white people use Italian breadcrumbs and real cheddar. They don't use any of that fake shit. And like I said, this is just from experience. This is what I've grown up noticing. But I love me some soul food, man. Some ham and beans with some cornbread, with some hot sauce. Maybe a little bit of collard greens mixed in. And I don't eat collard greens unless I'm eating soul food. So... And to be honest, you're not eating collard greens right if they don't make it with turkey necks in it. And <laughs> I don't eat turkey necks any other way. But it's like little pieces of um, chicken that just kind of shred off. You know, you're not just sitting there gnawing on a turkey neck. It's just It just kind of falls off the, the bone. And little, little pieces that just kind of shred off. And it adds so much flavor when you have greens with turkey neck in it. Now, ham hocks and that kind of shit, chicken feet, 
frog legs. I'm not getting into that shit. That's some, that's some really, ugh, yuck. It's pretty fucked up shit. <clears throat> but I can tell you, I've learned from the best. I've been around black culture, I've been around black family, black friends, and I got a black friend right now that he doesn't even know how good I can truly cook. And I want to go over there for probably next Thanksgiving <clears throat> and take him some of my food. Some of my mom's uh, broccoli casserole, her recipe. And, uh, you know, that's the thing. He's never had it, I'm sure. Once you do, you're like, damn, that's some good shit. So I like I like culture. I like culture. I like food. If you go to other countries, like um, the Netherlands, for example, there's not really the same black culture that you're going to get here in the United States. And <clears throat> I don't know. I don't think I can live in a place. <laughs> I don't think I could live in a place that wasn't like America for that reason. If you live in Korea or Russia or something and you try to get some soul food, can you imagine? First of all, the look that you're going to get. And second of all, there's not going to be any black people around there that can teach you how to make it the right way. And so, you know... A lot of people, especially whenever I'm, <clears throat> whenever I'm out and about, and somebody says, "Oh, you're a racist," or, and, and I know that comment itself is racist because they have no reason to say that, but just because I'm white, people have said that in the past, and it just makes me chuckle inside. It makes me laugh because they don't know me. They don't know where I came from. And they don't know that I have black family, that I have black friends, and that I'm not a racist. And so when people usually say that, I ignore them. I really do. Because when you start arguing with somebody that calls you a racist, then that's whenever they really start thinking you're a racist. When you get so, get so defensive over it, that's when they're like, oh yeah, you're definitely a racist. And so I usually try and prove them wrong and make them look stupid and then I just walk off. Generally. And if they want to pursue it and they want to, you know, keep antagonizing me, then I'll make them look even more stupid. So you'll get these people that especially from like people that are BLM sympathetic or just racist black people in general that will come up to me and say you know shit like that like you're racist or you're a white piece of shit or fucking whatever and I sit there and I and 
I don't know if they're part of BLM or they're not. But then whenever I say, oh yeah, I'm racist. And then I usually put them on blast to make them feel stupid. Because 90% of the time, you talk to somebody that's black, or you talk to somebody that's part of the BLM movement, it's George Floyd, George Floyd, George Floyd. Every, every fucking person is talking about George Floyd. And there's been so many other people who've been done wrong by the police besides George Floyd. And he's not the only one that's been killed. So, Rodney King was like the George Floyd of the fucking 90s. And, um, so anyways, when these people sit there and say, you're a racist, just because I'm white, or whatever, first of all, not not only is that racist in itself, but I tell them, you know who George Floyd is? And they say, oh yeah, I know who George Floyd is, is that a stupid question? Or, you know, they get pissy about it. And I say, do you know who Charles Scott is? And that's when they get quiet. They're like, oh, Charles Scott, who, who's that? And it sounds like a white guy. If you, say, if you just say Charles Scott, that sounds like a white guy. It's not a black name, right? And 90% of the time, they're not going to know. Because even if you ask them, do you know who Charles Scott is? And they say, oh, yeah, I know who he is. And you say, well, who is he? They don't know. Like, oh, isn't he a singer or something? Like, no. No, that's not who Charles Scott is. So then you tell them who he is, and by the end of it, they think, wow, this white guy might actually be a pretty decent guy. You know, because... (sighs) Charles Scott deserves way, way, way more, um, what do you call it, what's the word I'm looking for, recognition, Charles Scott deserves ten times more recognition than George Floyd, George Floyd was a a fucking drug dealer that was always high all the time, that was, and I'm not going to say that gives them the right to kill him, or, you know, Maybe he was he had a drug overdose and that just exasperated it. Putting the knee on the neck was not a good idea. But Charles Scott was a man that was an African American in his forties, I do believe. That lived in Charleston, South Carolina. And there was a video of it online on YouTube I don't know if you can find it still I think they took it down um, it's very hard to find but I remember it like it was yesterday and so in this video they've got this big open field with this sidewalk that cuts through and it's it's a big open grassy field and on every side it's fenced in and then 
on the other side of that fence is apartment buildings. So they had apartment buildings on the left, they had apartment buildings straight ahead, they had apartment buildings on the right. It was kind of like a dead end. And there was nowhere for him to really run anyways. Even once he got to the fence, he was going to have to climb it. And these are like, you know, 8 foot tall fences. 10 foot tall fences. It's not just something you can just jump over. And this cop is chasing him. Well, he takes off running and the cop starts chasing him and he tells him to stop. But he has his back turned. He has his hands out while he's running. His arms are out like he's flailing his arms out and he's just running. And when the cop says freeze, he only says it like once. And he doesn't say freeze or I'm going to shoot. He just says freeze. And so then after that, he shoots him like fucking 16 times. He just empties the whole clip into him. And coming to find out, he didn't have a gun on him, he didn't have a weapon, he was just running. With his back turned, with no weapon, and he ended up getting a whole clip dumped into him. A whole fucking clip. So, I'd say he got, he got a worse deal than George Floyd. To get shot 10 to 16 times for no reason, just because you're running away. And like I said, it would be different if they found a gun on him. Or, you know, he was a, a murder suspect or some shit. It's crazy. There should be no reason whatsoever why somebody's running away with their back turned. With no gun. And you end up shooting them 16 times. That's murder. That's fucking murder. Like, back in the old days, in the 1800s, early 1900s, when they had six shooters and they had duels and shit, if you shot a man in the back, you're a coward. You're a fucking coward. If you can't face somebody, and if somebody doesn't have a gun drawn on you, you know what I'm saying? Police nowadays are just cowards. Some, I mean... I'm not going to say all police. I'm really kind of grateful that we do have some police here that are trying to keep the guns off the streets, trying to keep the drugs off the streets. But man, the same thing with Botham Jean. Botham Jean never gets talked about in the BLM community. Everybody talks about Black Lives Matter and, and this and that. You never hear about them talking about Botham Jean. And, you know, if you ask some of these young BLM protesters, hey, do you know who Botham Jean is? They'd probably say, no. It's sad. It's sad because these people are fighting and protesting for nothing. For George Floyd. But they don't know who Botham Jean is. They don't know who fucking Charles Scott is. They're fighting for nothing. They got a fake cause that they're fighting for.
for any of you that don't know who Botham Jean is, he was a black man that was sitting in his apartment when a white female officer had broke into his apartment and killed him. And he didn't have a gun. So, he was murdered in his own apartment by Amber Geiger. And they've actually got a, a road in Dallas, Texas that's named after him. Botham Jean Drive. That kind of shit not only breaks my heart, but it irritates the fuck out of me. Because I just, you know, it, it makes us take ten steps back from the progress that we're making. And we already don't trust police. So when you make it that much worse, you know what I'm saying? I ran into a couple cops in my lifetime that were really good people. And one of them ended up getting fired recently <clears throat> because supposedly he made a racist comment. But from what I seen, he was a good cop. You know, and when I say he was a good cop, he was, he'd even said, you know, I said, what would you do if I was just outside on the sidewalk smoking a joint? Would you, would you make a big deal about that? And he was like, no, I wouldn't care as long as you don't have it packaged up to sell, you know. And this was back right whenever weed was getting ready to be legalized. It wasn't even legal yet. And he said, I wouldn't even care. I wouldn't make a big deal about it. You know. And he used to come into the gas station and he would small talk and get coffee and everything. And he was a good fucking guy. I don't care what anybody says. He might have made a stupid comment. He might have made a racist comment. Maybe. But people make mistakes. People do some stupid shit. And... Just because you make one racist comment, or what is perceived to be a racist comment, you could have just been kind of joking around, then you're done. You're done. And I know a lot of black friends that I have, me and them can joke around all the time about white people, about black people, it doesn't matter. So, do I think he was a racist fucking tyrant cop? No, he was a good cop. I don't care what they say. And it was wrong how he got done. Especially in a city where we're trying to keep as many cops as we can. And he didn't have anything on his record. He didn't have any disciplinary, you know things on his record he didn't have any complaints or anything against him it's just crazy it's crazy 
And whenever you're in a professional line like that, when you're a cop, you shouldn't be on Facebook posting anything because that's how it all comes back crashing down on you. There's the other night, like I said, I got pulled over with my coworker, and those two cops I'm kind of 50 50 about because it was stupid for the reason why they pulled us over, and they had no reason to search the car. Let's just put it that way I could have contested it, it wasn't my car. I don't care. If it was my car, I would have said, no, you don't have the right to fucking search it. But then that would have drawn more suspicion. And they would have sent a dog out. They still would have found nothing. But then I could have been able to sue them. But the whole reason why we got pulled over was because my co-worker forgot to turn his headlights on. That's the whole reason. So they thought that that gave them probable cause to search the vehicle. Which it doesn't. They could have just told us to turn the, the headlights on or gave us a ticket. It doesn't. Pulling somebody over for their headlights doesn't give you reasonable suspicion that they've got drugs in the car. So. Anywho. I knew they were there just doing their job and they said, you know, after we told them that we had weed, they were like, we're not worried about weed. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I guess what he meant was, we're looking for drugs, we're looking for like cocaine, meth, heroin, fentanyl, you know. Looking for guns and shit. And so they patted us down. They pulled us both out. They looked through the car. And. I put Aiden's grinder in my backpack. I had weed. On me. I had a hitter or two on me. Um, I even had a baggie. To put weed in. And that could have been really shitty because they could have got me for possession of weed that's not in a uh, sealed container and then they could have got me maybe maybe it would have been a hard case but they could have maybe got me for distribution because I had the baggie so at the end of it he was like hey you know you guys been honest with us <clears throat> and we told you we weren't worried about any weed but he said here's the thing next time around you get pulled over with weed that's not in a child proof container that's not sealed and you can be looking at a $500 fine $300 to $500 fine and I said holy shit you know I didn't know that I didn't know that but, you know, it used to be like 120 or whatever, as long as it's under so many grams. I think it was like 10 grams. 
But now, since it's legalized here, and the government or the state government doesn't want you really getting around paying taxes, now they've kind of raised the ticket price. It's crazy. It's, it's basically the state government's way of saying, okay, you don't want to pay us taxes on your weed? Well, if we catch you with it, then we're just going to charge you more on a ticket. And it was so funny. It was so funny. The way that my coworker was so worried about it. He was... He was fucking... <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? If I wasn't there, he would have lost his mind. He was so fucking anxious and nervous and fumbling around with shit. I'm like, dude, just relax. Pull into this gas station. He's trying to dig for his fucking grinder and his fucking weed and shit, trying to hand it to me and swerving on the road and shit. I'm like, dude, just pull into the fucking gas station. So, whenever we pulled up to the gas station and he gave me all this shit and parked it, I told him, don't be so nervous. We're just going home. That's all it is. We're not doing anything wrong. We're just going home. And... So he kind of settled down a little bit, but he was still nervous. And when the cops asked for the registration and his ID and shit, he was kind of still nervous. And I know if I can sense that, the cops could sense that, you know. And so we got outside the car and my coworker was telling him, he's like, hey, it's nothing against you guys, but I'm just nervous with cops. I've seen some crazy shit on TV, and I cut him off. I cut in, and I said, yeah, but we ain't got to be worried about anything if we're just going home, right? And the cop said, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it was a good learning experience for my friend. But it was also a good learning experience for me because I could have been uncooperative. I could have been a dickhead. I could have been, you know, I'm not going to give you my ID. I'll tell you who I am. But and a part of me in the back of my mind was just like, just give it to him. Just be cooperative. Be nice and see where it gets you. And so I gave him my ID, and I told him where we were coming from, and I was being honest. Like, we're just getting off work. And um, I think the fact that we were so honest from the get-go, he seen that my coworker had a Pizza Hut shirt on, you know. <laughs> so he knew I wasn't lying. And after we let him search everything, we're like, dude, you know, this is... We're just going home, you know. He was like, okay, yeah. Cop was like, if you guys just got that weed in the car, then you're good to go. 
I'm really surprised that he didn't take that weed and dump it out or confiscate it or whatever. Put it right back in the same container, right back in the same jacket pocket. I'm like, holy fuck. That's crazy. You know, five years ago, ten years ago, I probably would have went to jail. And not only that, but it would be like $120 for each paraphernalia piece. So the storage container that it was in would be paraphernalia. The two hitters that I would be would be paraphernalia. That's $120 for each. It's like $360 right there. So, I'm kind of glad that the law has changed, but in a sense, $500 now is crazy. I thought that the funniest part was whenever I had my SD card in my pocket. <laughs> and the cop pulled it out and he's like, oh, what's this? I think I talked about this on my last podcast, but just makes me laugh still just thinking about it I should have told him it was drugs <laughs> I told him oh that's my SD card and he's like it's what and I said it's a memory card that goes in my phone he's like oh okay He really, they were, they really wanted to find something. You can just tell. And when they couldn't find anything, they were disappointed. Because here it is, 12 o'clock at night, or whatever. Two young kids in the car. Especially him. He's 17. And they were like, oh yeah, we got something. And it's kind of crazy that they didn't ask me about the alcohol that was in the car because we just left the liquor store. But they already knew that I was going to claim it. It was all mine. Couldn't prove it, you know. So... When it comes down to it, there's, you know, there's been many times whenever I was younger, especially when I was driving, when it was illegal, I was really paranoid a lot of times. And I'm not going to lie. Like, there were some times when (laughs) I would roll up a blunt or whatever, and I'd go on a cruise, and I was like, I'd rather have this blunt rolled up to smoke, because if I have a bowl or a pipe or whatever, and they find that, I'm going to get a paraphernalia ticket. So, I would keep cigars already pre-rolled. 
and the night that they tried to get me on that DUI charge, they went into my car and they found this blunt that was already pre-rolled. And that was the only thing that they found. They didn't find any more weed. It wasn't like 10 grams or anything crazy. It was like 0.5 or maybe a whole gram. And when they found it in my car, they were like, oh yeah, that's that's enough to get you on DUI right there. But see, the thing is, you can't prove whether I smoked anything. You can't pro prove if I was under the influence of weed at the time. Especially back then. And so they kept searching, they kept digging. They tried to look for open containers, they never found any. And so that's whenever they started trying to get me on doing field sobriety tests. And I ended up like doing most of it. Um, the part where they have you walk the line, have you follow your eye with a pen, and then they have you stand on your one foot for like as, as long as you can. Okay. And you count one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand. And I stood there for like over 20 seconds, 20, 25 seconds, maybe even 30. And I got to the point where I was counting out one one thousand twenty one, one one thousand twenty two. And I'm like, can I stop now? So I just fucking stopped. I just put my foot down. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm done. Anybody that was fucking sober or anybody that was drunk wouldn't have been able to do that. So, he was like, I didn't tell you to stop. I didn't tell you to stop. You gotta hold it for fucking 50 seconds or, you know. I'm like, fuck that. So then he's like, yeah, we think you're under the influence of something. And I said, well, what is it? What do you think I'm under the influence of? Because you haven't found any open containers. All you found was a joint that was rolled up. You know, and I just stood on my one foot for over 20 seconds. So tell me, what do you think I'm under the influence of? And so they arrested me. They put me in the fucking squad car. They went through my car some more. And they found these Tylenols. <clears throat> anybody who's a cop or anybody who's been in narcotics knows that red and blue pill is usually Tylenol and a lot of pills nowadays have numbers on them to where you can look them up on Google and you can find out that it's Tylenol it's over the counter anybody can buy it and so just because I had it in an unmarked bottle they wanted to try and get me on a controlled substance controlled three substance and I said fuck you so we're sitting in the cop car and he's like are you going to sign this ticket fuck no I'm not signing that ticket well why not I said because it's not a controlled substance you can buy it over the fucking counter he's like yeah but you had it in an unmarked bottle I said that still doesn't make it a controlled substance period and when I go to court, it's going to get thrown out. So no, I'm not signing that ticket. 
He was like, well, are you going to do a breathalyzer? Fuck no. I'm not blowing neither. I'm not giving you guys any evidence. I'm done cooperating with you. I've done cooperated enough. It's not getting me anywhere, so fuck you. I'm not blowing. I'm not doing nothing. And if they would have took me down to the hospital to get a blood draw, they would have had a have like six officers there to hold me down. So, anywho. We're sitting in the back of the squad car. And I tell him I'm not signing the shit. And I tell him about how he had no probable cause to even think that I was under the influence. Because I was literally parked on private property when he pulled me over, which I worked there at the time. And he had the balls to ask me what law school I graduated from. Like I was a fucking idiot or something. He's like, what law school did you graduate from? And I said, to be a Springfield cop, you don't have to fucking graduate from law school, you dumbass. They hire cops straight out of high school. So, people like you that don't know the law, they get hired straight out of high school all the time. So he got pissed about it. He got pissed off because I know that he doesn't know a thing about the law. And he's trying to hold himself all high and mighty. And I'm like, dude, you don't even probably have a law degree. So, they took me down there to the station, and he told me, he said, if you're not going to blow in, the, in this breathalyzer, you're going to lose your license for 12 months. I said, I don't give a fuck. I'm not blowing. And I'm glad that I didn't, because I wasn't drunk, but I had a couple tall cans, like, hours beforehand. And I knew that if I did blow, it was going to register something. And they were going to try and use that against me. Like, okay, yeah, he did have this in his system. Anything that you give them is going to be evidence. And if they don't have any evidence, they can't get you. So that's the reason why they, they threaten you and shit and say, well, if you don't blow, then you're going to lose your license for six or 12 months. And they said, if I don't blow a second time, that I'll end up losing my license for three years. So, it goes against your rights, again. You have the right to freedom of travel and whatnot. So, for the DMV and the state police and shit to tell you that you have to blow in this breathalyzer or else you don't get to drive is against your constitutional rights. It's crazy. When you've done nothing wrong and they can't prove that you've done anything wrong and they take your car away and they put you in jail that's the reason why I got off so easy because the state knew that 
they didn't have any evidence. And if I would have took them to trial, I would have won. Because there was no evidence. I basically got my car taken and thrown in jail for nothing. With no probable cause, with no suspicion, or without anything. I had no reason to believe that I was drunk, or that I was high, or... It just randomly selected me and said, hey, you know, that's against the law. So they knew if I would have went to trial, I would have won it, and then I would have turned around and sued the city. So the prosecutor was like, oh, well, he's stupid. He doesn't know this. So they came at me at first with... Um, we'll give you a $1,500 fine. We'll let you get an interlock device where you got to breathe into your car and you got to pay for that. And you got to take classes. And I said, fuck no. Because I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not going to pay for an interlock device and pay for classes. It's going to take two fucking years out of my own pocket and to pay all these court fees and all that fuck you I'm not paying shit so then the prosecutor came back a couple hours later and he says well we'll give you reckless driving with the year supervision and I said I'll take it I'll take it because a year supervision means if you don't do anything bad within a year, it falls off your record. And I was already fighting this shit for nine months, and I didn't want to fight it anymore. So I said, fuck it. I'll take it. Anywho, moving on from that. Me and my co-workers were talking about something tonight, and it really made me start thinking about shit. In ways that I never thought about shit before. And, um, my co-worker, Carrie, was talking about how she'd been working at a prison and whatnot, and she used to see this this um, figure, this orb that was like a dust cloud or something. It was kind of like a gray orb. It didn't really resemble a body, but it, she knew that somebody was there, right? And she said she would look up and she would see it just go through the wall or just disappear. And when I've listened to Bob Lazar and other Area 51 conspiracy theorists, I heard a story a little while back of a guy that got access to Area 51 and he was around the aliens and he was very detailed, very believable on the shit that he was saying. 
And one of the things that he was saying was there was this, there were these aliens that were called EBE-1, EBE-2, blah, blah, blah. Extra biological, extra biological, extra intelligence, blah, blah. And he said, in Area 51, they had these secret, kind of like, force field generators that could contain these entities, these spirits, these aliens. Because if they didn't, then these aliens could literally walk through walls. And so I got to thinking about it when she was talking about this. I'm like, what if We've been thinking that ghosts were ghosts the whole time, and they were really aliens from another dimension. What if they're just interdimensional beings that, you know, can pass through time, can pass through walls? And so it made me really, it really mind-blowed me, because I'm like, this could be aliens, it could be ghosts, it could be uh, spirit but when you put them all together, it's like, okay, it's all energy. And they also say that whenever you die, some people say that whenever you die, you go somewhere else. Your physical body here just dies off and rots, but your, your spiritual body goes to another planet somewhere. That's what they say into another realm, into another dimension. And a lot of people are starting to say, that's what heaven is. When you leave this dimension, you go to another dimension, you go to another dimension, you pass through like eight different realms and you're, you're in the heavens. I don't know. It's a big possibility, but who knows? You know, and that's just one of those things when it talks about it in the Bible, you don't, you're never going to know until you actually die or, you know, talking about the Bible and spirits and heavens is kind of like a magical thing. And when you talk about interdimensional spaces and galaxies and planets and shit, that's kind of like a magical spiritual thing too so it just really mind fucked me because we don't know anything about ghosts really except that they're a bunch of different energy and shit like that and we don't know anything about aliens so maybe it could be Aliens are ghosts, ghosts are aliens, or vice versa. It's a complete mindfuck. We might see them as ghosts, think of them as ghosts, talk about, oh, ghost this, ghost that, but they might just be aliens. Crossing over from another dimension. That's the crazy part. <laughs> And a lot of people in other cultures and shit, you see something 
like a ghost. You know, it looks like a ghost. You think it's a ghost. It's a fucking alien. It's here, and then it's gone. It just disappears. Isn't that what aliens do? So, anywho, I don't really know. I don't think anybody else is going to know. It's just one of those things that, unless you unlock the fucking code of the universe or the galaxy, you're just never going to know. And, you know, think about people that lived in like 1884 or like 1765. Those fucking people didn't know shit. The only thing they had to go off of was like Galileo. People looked through a telescope and kind of made some fucking guesses. But they they never sent a spaceship to outer space. They never, you know, the space station didn't even fucking exist. A satellite wasn't even up in the air back then. It's crazy. It's crazy. And even though they had like telescopes and shit to look at the moon and whatnot or to look at Neptune or whatever they can only guess about shit just by how it looked I'm probably sure that when they looked at Neptune they were like oh yeah this is just a big ball of water but it's really just full of gas cause it's got that bluish tint to it they were probably like oh yeah it's fucking full of water <clears throat> um, but even though they could see the moon and whatnot, they didn't know that at one point in time they didn't know that the moon had such a big influence on earth without the moon we wouldn't have tidal waves in the ocean you know life would just not exist if it wasn't for tidal waves food wouldn't be able to grow right you know, if the sun and the moon cycles weren't right, food wouldn't be able to grow right. And nobody started learning about tidal waves and the magnetosphere and until probably like the 70s or 80s. They just didn't have the instruments. They didn't have anything to really test it, you know, it's so crazy, it's so crazy to think about 30 years ago, or 50 years ago, or 80 years ago, compared to today, it's so simple today, they just, they just fucking shoot up a rocket from SpaceX, and oh, it's, it's that simple. There was a certain point in time in America where people were so poor that they didn't have money to buy a car. They had the Model T Fords and shit that were coming out. The Great Depression and shit was going on. There were people that were so broke that couldn't get around. And even if they could get around... They didn't really have 
the money or whatever to to go too far. So to go from Pennsylvania to fucking California was just unheard of back then. It was possible. That's the crazy thing. It was possible, but not a lot of people did it. And so, you know, it's crazy to just look back and see how much times have changed. And it's crazy to look forward 20, 30, 40 years from now or more and see and only imagine what the fuck's going to happen when we got electric cars and everything is automated, you know, tools and, and, you know, even light switches and shit, you know, you got your, your smart, your Google smart shit where it turns on all your lights and it's crazy. And I can see a bunch of cyber warfare coming soon. People that hack into your Wi-Fi. People that hack into your Wi-Fi that can hack into your light system and they can listen to what the fuck you're saying. That kind of shit's coming. <clears throat> Anywho. I'm going to go ahead and end this podcast because it's getting really close to time. Um, I wish I could make another one because i got so much to talk about. Now that I've been coming up with all these conspiracy theories, um, I might just make another one within a day or two about some more conspiracy theories. But I've heard a lot of them. Some of them make sense. Some of them don't. Um, I've heard that the moon's fake and then it, it goes to Antarctica and ends up landing in a home base inside of a gated community and it's crazy. Anywho, just live the best life that you can live. Be as selfless as you can and help as many people as you can. As long as you can do that, as long as you're better off to do that. I see a lot of broke people that are trying to help broke people. That doesn't work. But, you know, it doesn't take money to be selfless, to do selfless acts. So, I can go to the dispensary and get some weed and pack up a cone and I see a homeless guy on the way back and say, here you go, here's some free weed. You know, I didn't have to do that, but it's, it's the thought that counts. You know, I could walk past homeless people and, and like I said, going to the dispensary and see somebody that's freezing outside and say, here you go, here's some gloves. Here's a sleeping bag. And that sleeping bag that I do have, I'm thinking about getting rid of anyway. So, anywho, this, t- it's gonna, it's, this podcast is going to end. So, see Jizzle and the Whizzle signing out. Till the next one. Deuces.